This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 62. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, as we always are. And we're also brought to you by Manscaped, and you'll hear a little bit about that more later. It is week 13 now of the hockey hiatus due to coronavirus. I think I'm going to stop saying what week it is because it just makes me sad no matter what. We're on the opposite end of the coronavirus spectrum as of right now. So my name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined by Nick Horwat. So how are you doing, Horwat? I think you mentioned it before we started recording. We're both a little, not under the weather per se, but uh, might sound a little different today. Yeah. A little less energetic, a little more of a, let's just talk. The state of the world right now, I mean, it's just, it's just time to talk, you know, get things out. Yeah, what we are and what we've always tried to be is an escape from reality for our listeners and just a time to tune in. Listen to some hockey talk, try to escape reality to a certain extent, but we need to pay attention as an entire community right now about all of this. Right. And and for both of us being two white men, we need to make sure that we listen. There's nothing that I can lend to that conversation that is going to do anything compared to what it would mean for us to just listen and we need to learn and we need to be better. And that's what we're going to try to do from here on out and it starts with the young age and it goes the whole way up to everybody it's a time that we need to make sure that we listen and we're receptive and we're caring about everybody in the world especially with the black lives matter movement we need to make sure that we back them and we make sure that we are listening to them and that is what we're going to try to do moving forward here of course i couldn't have said it better myself i mean it's hard to put into words how people are feeling and what people are doing right now like you said, just time to listen, time to pay attention, and it's a time for change for a lot of things. Yeah, the big thing you said is educate yourselves, and that's all we can. That's all we can do, and and we could just be there for everybody, and and we expect everybody to hopefully try to do the same. But as you mentioned, we are going to talk a little bit about hockey. There was some news in the hockey world this past week that lends itself to the playoff format, as well as we talked about the coronavirus a little bit earlier. That it lends itself to that as well. First and foremost, the NHL released some more news regarding the playoff format. The first one is the fact that teams are going to be reseeded after each round instead of just playing in a normal tournament-style format. And, I mean, to me, this is what normally happens in the playoffs. You reseed after each round. So, right now, with this tournament, I get that it's going to be different. I get that it's time for an unprecedented playoff. But, whenever you can you should try to steer towards what is normal in that playoff. And I think the reseeding after each round is one thing that is going to do that. I mean, it is what the players wanted as well. The the league wanted it to be a tournament style because they kind of wanted to piggyback off the NCAA's March Madness format Mm, because a lot of people, and TV-wise, it's a lot of people enjoyed that. But at the same time, the reseeding is what the NHL has always really done as, as of late, and it's what they should be doing, in my opinion, and that's what they decided to do. It'll be fun to watch. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of different to change that it changes. Um, And it basically has been what's been happening normally in the playoffs because there's always the, yeah, these two teams will play first in every, in every round, but then it usually jumps. It's like, okay, well now this team's going to go play that team rather than an easy 
to follow bracket. I think I can remember things being like that. But as for the seeding, the seeding thing that changes is good. That's what we expected. I feel like at least it makes more sense. But the game uh, numbers, which is what really is what makes it different for everything. Yeah. And you mentioned that the NHL did decide that after the play in round, they're going to move to just strictly best of seven. And and that's what I said last week. I, I figured I really wanted because it is, again, like I said earlier, you want to keep it as normal as you can, if you can. And that's what the NHL is going to try to do best of seven after the play in round. So the, the regular 16 team playoff is all going to be best of seven. And then also some news came out about the round Robin that it is, just a round robin and the regular season win percentage is only going to be taken into effect in case of a tie. So Philadelphia could end up being the one seed or Boston could end up being the four seed who, who knows how it's going to go, but it is all steered in this round robin. And the only way that regular season point percentage is going to matter is be going to be in case of a tie. So that's, that's a lot of, that's a, that's some big news right there. If you're one of the top four teams in each conference. Yeah. It's tough to pay attention for it's, you know, those four teams technically don't have a spot per se right now. Like they don't know where they're sitting. They don't know who they'll be playing. Like they can't even, for the most part, at least they can't even say start watching tape on two teams at once because it might be two completely different teams they have to look out for. It's the minuscule things that are going into this that are making this all very at the moment at least up in the air. The only things we know for certain are round lengths and who's playing who for the most part in the first round or the play-in round I should say a lot of things are still up in the air as they probably will be for a while and that's I'm adding this in that's not too much of a bad thing they need to get going at some point with I mean they're being patient which is good but the NBA just decided today as as that we record this that they're gonna continue playing on July 31st so I'm not saying they have to keep up with the NBA but you know there's some TV competition there, and it's going to ramp up. I mean, all four sports at once might be fun, but, you know, basketball is going to make its way back, too. Yeah, it's really interesting that we've been saying, from an NHL standpoint, that the start date is is a moving target because you don't know how this coronavirus stuff is going to evolve throughout the summer, but the NBA, they're just like, all right, you know what, we're just going to do it. We're going to make July 31st, that's when we're starting, and they might have an easier time when it comes to setting theirs up i have no idea i haven't really looked into the nba all that much i'm going to in this upcoming week because they're moving they seem like they went from nothing to everything at once so it's going to be something that we're really going to need to keep an eye on especially from an nhl standpoint but uh, moving on to the other news that we had this past week a pittsburgh penguins player had covid19 had he tested keyword had had. (laughs) the keyword is had so i mean and if i were a betting man which, you know, I am a betting man. Mm-hmm. I would put money on the fact that was probably Nick Bugstad. <laughs> the odds were not in your favor on that, but I mean, hey, uh, we don't. I mean, do we know where he stays, where he lives, or or has been during this? I was just making a joke of it because he <laughs> seemed everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. Nick Bugstad. But I also at the at the same time I questioned whether or not I missed a re-signing of Bo Bennett and didn't notice. So that was oh. another thing. I, I had to pay attention. I was wondering, I was like, mm, maybe Bo Bennett got signed and he was the Penguins player. But uh, the, the funny part about all that is Bo Bennett actually commented on the Pittsburgh Penguins post saying that somebody had COVID-19 and it just with the eye, the uh, eyes looking around. Yeah. I was like, wow, at least he's aware. He is very well aware of it. His Twitter's always 
Harper always getting on that. He's a real self-aware guy and knows. I mean, he knows he's a decent hockey player, and who knows what he could have been without that injury trail and how that derailed him for a lot of time. I mean, he played in the KHL, didn't he? For a time, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's as for the Penguin, we they will not say who it is, and that's probably a good thing considering. I mean, yeah, no teams have said it. When the Avalanche player and the Senators player had it, they didn't say who it was. But we do know that they're not staying in Pittsburgh and that they've recovered and are, you know, feeling better and have been self-isolating. People have been notified. Everything's been taken, you know, the right way. I just want to know who isn't in Pittsburgh. Like, which player? Most of them probably, but, I mean, it's hard to – I'm just trying to rack up and I can't right now. The only ones that I can think of off the top of my head that I know are, that are in Pittsburgh – so the people that I know are definitely not it. Sidney Crosby was mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh throughout the duration. Yeah. I know Zach Aston Reese and Brian Rust were for the duration, but like I know Malkin went down to Florida. So it could be a list of people and that's oh, fine. Okay. It doesn't matter who it is. Right. The Penguins shouldn't release the name right. of whoever had it because then that person's going to be forced to not only come back and do all the stuff with the, his teammates for the NHL resumption, but he's probably going to have to answer questions about COVID-19, which is not something that the Penguins are going to want for their player going through this playoffs as they don't want a distraction, especially one of that magnitude. So I'm not surprised that the Pittsburgh Penguins did not release the name of the player. But like you mentioned, a lot of people online really need to make sure they read everything yeah. before they comment, because it did say that he had COVID-19. He did go through it but he is now healthy whenever we were discussing last week about you know teams having two cases does this count as one of them i mean i I think it would have to be active cases i would assume so i mean that is until science figures out um if you can get it again maybe or if you carry it after i don't know like i said we don't know all the science behind it but i do know they were trying to look into if you can contract it again I mean, if that's the case, and it's just if you had somebody that had it, the avalanche are already eliminated. Right. That's true. I forgot about that. But, I mean, it's more than just that. It's like, can you have it? Can you get it again? And or do you still carry it after you've had it? I think that's another thing they were trying to look into, and I'm sure they've said and we're just forgetting. Yeah. But, like I said, we're not science people. But those are things to just look out for and keep in mind that, um, you know, say a breakout happens again within the league sources are sources so you gotta just know where they are and the team and as long as the teams and league are aware things should be okay things shouldn't be you know bad once things get rolling again it's just a matter of knowing who's what and knowing what to do in the right situation i mean this person has recovered this person is doing well and is getting better and has you know been self-isolating has been doing his part in reducing the spread and better he's better he's ready to play i guess i mean we got to start getting ready for that soon. Time keeps passing. Yeah, hopefully we're at some point here going to get into phase two where players get onto the ice in groups of six. But before we do move on to our next segment, I do want to mention the fact that you said we're not science people. Yeah. Scientists? Science people, scientists, like I said, uh, man. it's a... I don't know. It just sounded weird saying, oh, we're not science people. We're not, but I mean, you know, it's... Yeah. It, our, our brains today are a little... A little, a little haywire. Yeah, it's... The next segment is one that we were going to do last week, and we were going to do the week before that, but, extenuating circumstances, Gary Bettman has his press conference, things pop up here and there, and then this gets pushed back, and of course, 
You feel bad, but it's something that you could push back. And the question is, what do you do with Nick Bugstad after this season? It's so hard to say because it's coming to the point where is he this much of a glass made of bones person or oh my god <laughs> bones made of glass yes go ahead <laughs> oh it's that kind of day is that the kind of person he is that no other team will take him i mean are we stuck with him for his last year of the contract are we able to you know possibly buy him out because it's not you know he's 4.1 million dollars for another year after this he's not a bad hockey player you know it's i'm sure if we can if we can ensure that he's a healthy player <laughs> I'm sure someone would take him. I agree with that, and I think he does still have value, especially as a trade piece for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the big thing is, what do you do with him? Now, do you play him? You really can't, because yeah. he doesn't really fit in the Pens roster anymore. Jared McCann is now probably going to be the third-line center for a long time coming, hopefully. And Teddy Bluger has taken over that fourth-line center role, and it doesn't seem like he's getting ready to give it up. And then you look at somebody like Nick Bugstad. And while, no, he didn't play bad last year when he came over from Florida. He had nine goals, five assists, and 14 points. And was really, if it was an 82-game pace, it would have been 20 to 22 goals, which is not bad. Not bad but you look yeah. at the fact that he has played 45 games in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform, and you count... Postseason, it's 49 games, so we'll count that. Okay. He's played 49 games as a Pittsburgh Penguins, but he's also missed 56. So he's missed more games than he's played yeah. since he came over. You mentioned his cap hit. 4.1 is a lot of cap space to be used as a healthy scratch. Yeah, that really does hurt, especially whenever you could easily fill that with someone who could play. I mean, you're mentioning the centers, and come playoff time, that's going to be our four centers, Crosby, Malkin, McCann, Bluger. Because, yeah, Bukestad, his road to recovery is, you know, I forget what it is exactly, but he's he should be healthy by playoff time in this weird playoffs we're having, but we've already rolled him out as not coming back. So I think that is a big, it's a big show in what we are planning to do with him because he'll be healthy to play probably, but he's not going to be playing. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's a healthy scratch type deal for the whole playoffs. And if we need him, we can use him. He'll be there. That's good. That's a, you know, it's a good sign. But at the same time, for the time being, it's that shows that if we're not immediately saying he'll be ready in this much time minimum, and then that's the end of the statement, then all right, you're expecting to maybe crawl back into the lineup. But they said he's it's going to be this much recovery time, and we've ruled him out. That shows that they're really maybe looking to move him, maybe just shelfing him up and not wanting him to get hurt again for next season. Who knows? But it shows what we're doing with him this season, at least, is that we're he's done for the year. As for next year, someone I – mean, I, my, my move would be, to, would be to move him, trade him, whether it's for a very little return because cap space could be useful or if it's, you know, maybe f for a winger that could fill in the spot, you know, for a little bit of money. Who knows? I mean, it depends on what people want to get back to this – broken man a couple things i mean i mean first of all i don't think there's a chance that we see him go to the hub city to be essentially a black ace right because there's going to be extended rosters i think if they're saying that they don't want him to play it is because they said you know what you've missed 56 games this season and it was not in one injury it was in 
multiple stints of injuries. So I think what they're basically saying with that is, listen, we don't know what we're going to do with you yet, but there's no need for us to try to rush you back for a playoffs when we clearly have the depth this season. Comes the next season, they probably don't know. They might have an idea, but they don't know for sure what they want to do with Nick Bugstad. But they're not going to rush him back. They're not going to waste a roster spot and a personnel spot taking somebody that they probably don't plan on using even in the worst of circumstances in Nick Bugstad. And and you mentioned it, and I'll agree. This offseason, the best move is probably to trade him. The answer is to who? Who's going to want a guy that missed 56 games this season yeah. that went through a back injury at the, at a height of six foot six that we mentioned last week? That's going to make it even tougher for him to readjust to playing NHL hockey. The thing is, it is his final year, which helps a lot. So a rebuilding team with cap space could be a possible option. We've seen a couple teams do that in recent memory. You look at teams like Ottawa or teams like Buffalo. They have the cap space that they could take this guy on at $4.1 million. And who knows? Maybe that fresh start, maybe his time to heal here without playing in the playoffs for the Penguins, maybe that time makes him okay for next season and he has a good contract here. All the more power to him if that's what happens. But to me... You can't do that with the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team that's right up against the cap that he doesn't necessarily fit on anymore. He was brought over to be that third-line center, and Jared McCann proved that he's the better slot in there, and that's what's going to happen. So I think probably to a team like Ottawa or Buffalo, like I mentioned, because they have the cap space, and you look what at Ottawa. They did that with Ron Hainsey this year. They did that with Nikita Zaitsev as well. So I could see them doing that with a center like Nick Bugstad, especially because Ottawa hasn't really had that many good centers in the past what half decade or decade so and I think on the way back you mentioned maybe a winger I don't think he, he's worth that right now I think his value is so far down because of the type of injury he's had and the extent of the injury that he had plus you look at the fact that in the games that he did play this year while it was only 13 he had a goal and an assist and that was it so yeah. I think all that he's probably going to require is maybe a draft pick or a middle-of-the-road prospect. Possibly a combination of the two if somebody really values his his next season, if they really want him there. But his injury, to me, severely hurts his value. So the Pens might even have to send a pick with him to unload his contract. Who knows? But it's not going to be much in return. Either way, I think they need to try to unload the contract any way that they possibly can because... I can't find a way in which he stays with the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. It's really hard, and it's not that I don't like him. It's just he doesn't fit with the team, even if he only had a $2 million cap hit. But it's 4.1 for a guy that's probably going to struggle to find a spot in the roster. It's it's not something you want to see. No, it's not. $4.1 million is a lot of money to put into a healthy scratch, and management and team and coaches seem to speak very highly of him every chance they get. But like you mentioned, he's played only 45 regular season games here, 49 in total, and has missed 56. That's a lot of games to miss, and it's very hard to speak highly of someone who's missed more than they've seen. So it's it's rough. And it doesn't help when the McCann's came over that, and he's excelled. Yeah, the McCann thing really stumped them. It hurts. Going forward, you just have to wonder what's how it's going to play out, what, what they're going to do. You'd assume it's a trade because they're – there's no way you can bring him back, I'd say. But if you want to keep him on the team and eat that 4.1 healthy scratch, go for it. But it just depends what they want to do. That's just a lot to hold on to just to say, hey, he's going to be a, a call-up type guy. 
And I mean, we're not going to get the answer to this question until probably late November, early December. So it's definitely something we're going to have to put in the back of our minds and we'll start thinking of again at that point. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to be handing out our NHL awards. The season officially ended last week. We're going to give our NHL awards right after the break. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 62, and something we also didn't mention last week. We forgot to mention a lot of things last week, but something that we didn't mention is last week was technically our season one finale. Technically, our contracts expired last week, but the two of us love doing this so much, and we love the Hockey yeah. Podcast Network, and we love you guys that are our listeners, that we want to keep giving you content on a weekly basis, and we're going to figure out what we're doing, the next steps with the network, with Isha, and with Dylan, and with Hockey Troll as well. Absolutely. So we're just going to keep pounding out content. We're going to have new episodes every Monday. We also have a Patreon episode coming up. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, get ready for that. We have that coming here in the next couple of days. But before we continue with anything else, we are giving away the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped.com. It includes the Lawnmower 3.0, a pair of Manscaped boxers, and even a travel bag. My favorite thing was probably... Other than the Lawnmower 3.0, which is a fantastic razor, was probably the travel bag. I've been using it so much, as well as some other Manscaped products that are going to be in there as well. That's more than $100 in value in men's grooming products for free. All you have to do to win is go to at HockeyPodNet on Twitter and follow the instructions on the pinned tweet, and you'll get your opportunity for a free Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped.com. The winner will be selected this upcoming Saturday, June 13th. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But we have one more thing that we want to talk about, and that is the NHL awards. Like I mentioned, the season ended last week, and the award talk has been stirring throughout the hockey community. So let's give out our awards, shall we? Let's start with the Selkie. Horwat, who would you give the Selkie to for the 2019-20 season? Oh, man, the Selkie's always a hard choice, isn't it? Usually. I mean, last year it was Ryan O'Reilly. And then you look oh, at yeah. Patrice Bergeron. He, he's a favorite this year. He's a four-time Selkie winner, so he's always in that conversation. But who would you give yours to? My fault for the pause. I'm trying to find the stuff I wrote for the hockey writers whenever they asked for the awards. I think I had Crosby in my top three for sure. Just because... This year? I mean, the Selkie's a hard one to pick, you know? 
Yeah. It is, but th- there's some there's some evidence you could find. Do you want me to give you mine while you're looking for yeah, that? Yeah, you go through you go yours and cuz I'm going to have it right up in 2 seconds. And this this it pains me to say this because I don't want to give any trophies to a rival, but I have to give it up and I think he's going to win it. I think the other hockey writers, the pro hockey writers are going to vote him too. It's going to go to Sean Couturier in my opinion for the Philadelphia Ooh. Flyers. I mean, the guy is one of the most underrated players in the league and probably one of the better if not the best player on the philadelphia flyers i think he's always been better than claude Giroux. i think he's close to if not better than jacob voracek so i think sean couturier finally should get some recognition especially because we've always known him as the defensive forward he's always covered Sidney crosby he's always covered evgeny malkin in those matchups and this season he had an outstanding year i mean you look at the his stats offensively he had a pretty good year he had 22 goals so over 20 goals and he was cut short of the season but he had 59 points so he had a chance to go over 60 possibly if he pushed the pace to get over 70 points in the season but then to me you have to look at especially when you're looking at the selkie you have to look at the underlying stats and some of the analytics his Corsi is ridiculous a 57.2 percent Corsi rating with only like a 51.3 offensive zone start percentage so he compared to a Patrice Bergeron or compared to a Ryan O'Reilly had a much higher Corsi in a much lower amount of time starting the offensive zone. So to me, I got to give it up for Sean Couturier. As much as it pains me to give a, a trophy to a Philadelphia Flyer, I give it to Couturier. I can roll with that one too. I mean, I did have Crosby written down for my pick. So clearly the Selkie is not my cup of tea when it comes to trying to pick that. But that's because <laughs> I don't look into defensive metrics as much as you know these people would as you know people that are selecting these awards would as well because i don't understand half of analytics all that stuff but i had you know crosby o'reilly is another great choice but i will go with your couturier choice because that you know does make sense he does play a very great two-way game as well even if he is a uh, flyer (laughs) so you're picking couturier yeah i'll roll with you on that one all right sounds good i'll take that so next we have one that is probably going to be one of the most hotly, if not the second most hotly debated trophy category, and that's the Calder. Now, who would have thought back at the beginning of the season that it would have been Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes that were duking it out for the Calder trophy? Now, I, I can honestly say I thought there was going to be a Hughes brother involved in this but i thought it was going to be jack hughes i thought it was going to be him versus capo caco my preseason pick was capo caco but it's not neither of those two guys had nearly as good of a rookie season as mccarr or hughes luckily we will see the first defenseman win the award since aaron ekblad in 2015 who do you have rolling with kale mccarr because of i mean we saw to be whenever he started in the playoffs last season he was gonna be a dominant player and he turned out to be more than dominant this season you know, providing a great spark on the blue line for a team that already had a good de- defensive core in uh, Colorado. The hockey writers chose McCarr as well over Hughes and uh, out of box of all people as well. There's a lot of good defensive rookies out there this year too. It's It was a very stacked group defensive-wise. But Kale McCarr gets my pick. John Marino a close second though, because I'll say it. You said a close second. Come on, now. damn right. You know Quinn. If you're picking McCarr, you know Hughes is going to be second. No, I know he is. But 
I honestly believe that Quinn Hughes is going to win the Calder or deserves to win the Calder. This is not a prediction. This is who we would pick because although we aren't in the Pro Hockey Writers Association, we are hockey writers. So we're going to, this is us casting our picks. You say McCarr. Mm-hmm. I'm going Quinn Hughes. I mean, the guy had 56 points as a defenseman in his rookie year. Not to mention he had more time on ice average than McCarr. He might have played over 11 more games, but at the same time, you look at Quinn Hughes. I would have to say that he had the less skilled decor around him to start his career. I mean, you mentioned it just a second ago. Colorado had a pretty skilled decor, and yes, McCarr went in there and now is immediately the spearhead for that defense. I think Quinn Hughes came in and had a lot less to work with and still produce numbers. I mean, the guy is one of the best skaters you're going to see in the National Hockey League, and that's already from a very young age. This is such a close discussion. I know in our Slack chat, for the Hockey Podcast Network, this is a big discussion. Is it McCarr? Is it Hughes? A lot of people are picking each side of this, but I got to go with Quinn Hughes. I think the big problem with McCarr in this situation is Quinn Hughes didn't have a heart candidate to toss the puck up to. (laughs) He didn't have a heart candidate to run the power play with like Kale McCarr did. I mean, he still had Elias Pettersson. He still had Brock Besser when he was healthy. He still had JT Miller, who put up over 70 points, which is still crazy to say. But I still think Quinn Hughes had less to work with, and I still think he flashed onto the scene and deserves to get that Calder Memorial Trophy. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we know the voting is happening. Probably already happened, I would assume. Either that or it's in the middle of it. Yeah, for the season awards as... Um, or for as for the NHL awards by these professional writers and award selectors because they try and base it off a of regular season. We saw how that went. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm still sticking with my Kale McCarr choice for Rookie of the Year because he was just dominant. I mean, yeah, he's got guys to play around with him, but you can't deny what he's done. I mean, he's a he plays a different position than Nathan McKinnon, so it's they're not on the ice as much together. Yeah, that that's very true, but I, I just that's that wasn't really the main thing. Right. That's just one of the things that these guys are so close. You have to pick something. And it might be a little nitpicky, but it, it's what I have to do. I gotta go with Hughes for that for, for that of one of a couple reasons, but that's the one I'm gonna highlight. Mm-hmm. And it like you said, it's hard because both of these guys are gonna be stellar for the rest of their careers. These two guys are above and beyond skilled puck moving defensemen, great skaters. McCarr has a fantastic shot, and he just has a knack for scoring the big goal. I mean, he has more than three, either three or four game-winning goals this season, and from a defenseman, that's huge. So it's going to be a tough decision for the hockey writers. For us, it was a tough decision, but I go Quinn Hughes. You go Cal McCarr. We'll move on to, since we're talking about defensemen, let's keep going with defensemen. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Norris Trophy. Now, while Hughes and McCarr might be Norris candidates in the future years, I don't think they're quite there yet. As much as I like Victor Hedman, and he's great, and he's forever going to be a, a Norris Trophy finalist, he is not in the same story as the other two guys that I think we're both going to mention. My guy that I went with at the, in the beginning of the season, pre our preseason picks, I told you, sitting in that apartment, that Roman Yossi was about to pop off, Ooh. and Roman Yossi was about to have a fantastic season. And I love saying these next couple words. I was 100% right. (laughs) Roman Yossi had a fantastic season. He was my preseason pick to win the Norris. So I'm sticking with Roman, going with him. I think the other guy that you're going to mention 
he plays on a better team. And also, I have to look at the fact that Roman Yossi didn't get embarrassed by Evgeny Malkin on national television. So that's why I got to go with Yossi instead of this this other guy. Now, who are you going with? Yes, J- uh, John Carlson does play on a better team. We are all aware of this. <laughs> but uh, he is going. But he will be my choice because yeah, Yossi's had a great season. But I think, especially in in awards that are chosen, it is who stands out more. I really wasn't aware that y- Yossi ha- was having a tremendous season for a little while. It took me a little bit to realize that he was because John Carlson was standing out so much as you know the top defenseman in the league. He was setting worlds on fire. You mentioned Hedman's going to be in the top at all times. Yeah, he will be. I'm reading this NHL.com post from the Trophy Tracker from the three quarter points of the season so a little bit of a little bit ago it looked like john carlson was you know not sweeping but collecting 88 points to yossi's 67 so it's not really going to be close it's probably going to be carlson by way of just starting really hot continuing to stay pretty warm all all season long and making you know the splash that you know i feel like a lot of these voters look for this uh, voting as well had uh, Crystal Tang in ninth place. <laughs> in ninth place. In case so. anyone's wondering. <laughs> and listen, if we were voting on this in November, I don't think I could argue it. I think I would have to go with John Carlson in November because of how hot his start was and how good he was at the beginning of the season. But he did cool off pretty considerably towards the end. Not that he played bad. And not the fact that we have to look at the fact that he finished with 75 points on the season, which is ridiculous. But when I look at it, Roman Yossi did have a little bit of a less headline-grabbing season. But I just think the way that he played, he played fantastic on a team that was not nearly as good. Washington was so good this season. At some points, they weren't great. But there were points where they were just lighting the world on fire. And here's also my thing. I already voted for a Philadelphia Flyer to win an award. I can't vote for another rival to win an award. Oh, you could. I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm going to have to go with Roman Yossi for that reason, among the other millions of reasons I've already mentioned it. I think Roman Yossi deserves to get that Norris this year. I think he played extremely well this year. I think more people should notice Roman Yossi. And I think the, that voting three-quarters of the way through is a little closer than you may think. Right. So it's going to be interesting come whenever we actually get the NHL awards to see whether it's Yossi or Carlson. Again, this is just like the Calder Trophy. Their stats were so similar. Yes, Carlson had 10 more points, but still, you look at their other stats. They both play 24-plus minutes a game. Their courses are around the exact same. Their offensive zone starts are around the exact same. These guys were both amazing for their respective teams. But I'm like I said, I'm going Roman Yossi. You're going John Carlson. Perfectly represents how close this is going to be because both of these players had fantastic seasons on the back end. So unless you have anything else, we should move on to the next one. We can move right along. And that will be the Vezina. Now this one, to me, is not going to be quite as close as the last couple we've talked about. To me... It's Connor Hellebuck, and there's not really another answer. Oh, well, I mean, there are other answers because Tuka Rask apparently has gotten a ton of recognition as for taking this trophy this year. I don't really know how. I mean, maybe because he is the President's Trophy goalie. I mean... I guess. They won the President's Trophy. They got the Jennings Trophy, but that also goes to him 
and Yaroslav Halak, True. who split time with Tuka Rask. We can't forget the fact that Connor Hellebuck played 17 more games than Tuka Rask. Yeah, he did. I mean, plus, he, not only did he play 17 more games, he played 17 more games with bare all in defense. Like you said, I think, was it last week or the week before, Neil Pionk and his band of merry men? Exactly. I mean, I'm with you on Connor Hellebuck. It's, if it's not David Ayers, it's Connor Hellebuck, I, the way I see it. Oh, God. Everybody that's from Toronto or enjoys Toronto, just shut this podcast right off. Hey, man, you get, you've, given us, you've given us enough minutes of listening already anyway. But <laughs> Tristan Jari put up a great season. He has been getting votes from this NHL story as well. Also, Van Bishop plays for the Stars, right? Yes, he does. Then NHL.com, of all places, needs to update his picture. <laughs> he is in a Tampa Bay Lightning uniform in the picture they're using. But, yeah, no, it's... Tukarask, yeah, great. He played on the, you know, President's Trophy winning team. Okay, so he wins games. But he also has a stout defense in front of him. I mean, I think if you compare what the two did with what their team gives them, like like you mentioned before with the, you know, the Calder discussion that Kale McCarr has teammates. Yeah, I mean, he does. So he's going to get a little juice and a little bump from it. I mean, it's this is the situation where you have to look at who is in front of him. Tuukka Rask has a much better defense in front of him than Connor Hellebuck does. So, if he's able to stop pucks whenever his defense isn't, that shows what kind of goalie he is. And you look at their numbers, and they're pretty comparable. I mean, Rask has a higher save percentage and has a much, much lower goals allowed average, which is fine. But at the same time, you have to look at the fact that Tuukka Rask split time with Yaroslav Polak, and that's the same thing with Ben Bishop. He split time with Anton Hudobin. Those two teams have two of the best one-two punches when it comes to def- to goaltending in the league. The other guys that you're probably looking at consideration is Jordan Bennington, who had a really good season for his first full season in the NHL. I mean, 30-13-7, and seven, that's great, and it deserves to be in the conversation for Vezina, but I don't think it touches the impact that Connor Hellebuck had, and the other goalie that you have to really mention in this conversation is Andre Vasilevsky, the big cat, 35-14-3, 9-17 save percentage, 256 goals allowed average. The guy has taken over the mantle from Carey Price, in my opinion, that he is the number one goalie in the NHL, and he is going to be, like Victor Hedman, his teammate, he's going to be in these conversations for years to come, but I just think this year, if you're looking at this year specifically, you got to give it to Connor Hellebuck. And and Vasilevsky, he's the reigning Vezina winner, and I'm sure he's going to win a couple more Vezinas before his time's said and done. But this year, i got to give it to Hellebuck. No, you're not wrong when it comes to picking Hellebuck over anyone else this season. I mentioned David Ayers, but, I mean, we know that's not happening. <laughs> goalie was a, it was a fun position this year to be a goalie. It's a fun year this year to be a goalie. We know up and downs everything when it comes to it we know Jari might get a couple of votes here and there not not anything to you know put himself up in the top three but um it seems like the top three is pretty set in stone as Hellebuck Rask and maybe Bishop who knows the third spot for all these is always up in the air but I gotta stick with Hellebuck as well it's when you don't have a defense in front of you and you're able to string together wins it really shows something and I think that's the best way to put it just what do you have in front of you oh nothing yeah where's your team oh you're still at a pretty good spot yeah i'm gonna give it to you (laughs) you'd you'd have to assume something like that but i mean i mean that's why they voted on regular season and not playoffs because yeah 
We do have one last trophy to award, and it is the big one. It's the Hart Memorial Trophy. Now, there was a joke, and I don't even know if it was a joke. Some people were, were being very serious about it in that same Slack chat that we've referenced, that Jack Eichel deserves to have some credit and deserves to be in the discussion for Hart. I don't know about that. You see, uh, in in the literal definition of the, of the Hart Trophy, yes, he does deserve it. <laughs> But do they even vote on the literal definition of the Hart Trophy but anymore? But they don't. No. Yeah, they don't. It's not he about He is clearly that. the quote-unquote most valuable to his team. Right. But at the same time, if Connor McDavid couldn't beat Taylor Hall in 2018, then, then Jack Eichel should not win this year. Exactly. But here's the real question. Can, can uh, Connor McDavid beat his own teammate this year? Uh, I think he gets into the finals. No, oh, he's going to. It's. But I do I don't think he wins it this year. No, the top three is going to end up being Drysidle, someone, McDavid, right? And that someone is is my pick. Oh, is your pick Nathan McKinnon? It is Nathan McKinnon. Okay. 93 points. The guy had such a good season. And then you have to think about the fact that his two superstars that are supposedly supposed to play with him, Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog, each missed substantial time. Rantanen missed 28 games. Landis Gog missed 16 games. Yeah, I forgot about that. And Nathan McKinnon still has the Colorado Avalanche in second place in the Western Conference. Let's also not forget that their starting goaltender went down for an extended period of time. And Pavel Francouz was their starter for a while. And Pavel Francouz even went down for a little bit. And they had another guy in there. Yeah. So I think Nathan McKinnon, while he did have... Kale McCarr, <laughs> he got hurt getting too. in the puck, which is yeah, he also got hurt. He did have Kale McCarr, and that's a better defensive compliment than Drysidle or McDavid can really boast. But I think McKinnon, with those other players missing and with where his team is in the standings, I think he gets the MVP this year. Not to take anything away from Leon Drysidle, but you're getting the Art Ross. <sighs> People can say you, quote-unquote, carried the team when McDavid was out, but McDavid was out for seven games. Let's be honest <laughs> here. That's okay, but at the same time, it's not to the level of Rantanen missed 28 games. Right. Landis Cog missed 16. I already said this. Those guys missed substantial amounts of time more than Connor McDavid was out. And also, you have to think about the fact that Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL. Yeah. Leon Dreisaitl has proven that he is a superstar in this league. He is not just hanging on to McDavid's coattails. He is a bona fide superstar. Probably going to be top 10 in the league from here on out. Yeah. But the leading scorer doesn't mean MVP. And just because you're that good of a player does not mean you're going to win MVP. You want an example? How many years was Evgeny Malkin? one of the best in the league. How many years was Sidney Crosby one of the best in the league? But you know what? They play on the same team. They might not necessarily play together all that much, but these writers, they don't care sometimes. So seeing two guys from Edmonton, Dreisaitl, McDavid in those finals, they might just vote with Nathan McKinnon because he doesn't have the other guy. Yeah, and that's, that's a very good point whenever it comes to picking something like that. It would be weird to say that there are, two MVP finalists from the same team. It, that almost just doesn't make sense given the literal definition of, of the award. Unless you're saying that these two are are just better than every other team in the league. I don't know. It's it's a hard decision to make, first of all. I mean, Drysaddle did prove he's not 
just someone who has to play with Connor McDavid. He can play on his own. Proved me wrong. I'll say that. I didn't expect <laughs> that. I didn't want to see it, but here it is. It's in my face now, and I deserve to eat my words. He's my choice for the MVP just because of that. I mean, he proved that he is someone that you know can play on his own, can carry a not that stellar of a team other than him, McDavid, and you know a couple of names here and there. It's going to be fun watching this all unfold. I don't know why, but it's... There's going to be some, I feel like there's going to be some hard people to discuss this whole situation with because of how just ferocious Edmonton, the fan base, can get. <laughs> Man, as long as they're not winning a cup, I mean, they can have all the MVPs they want. <laughs> as long as they're not winning a cup. Wow, that's some very pointed statements there. Yeah, but... screw it. I'm not an Edmonton fan. I mean... McDavid's going to turn into one of those players that is looked at almost like Gretzky, I feel like, where he's going to win just because of, he's going to win these awards just because of his name or just because he's able to do these great things. And Drysaddle taking a spot, I'm that's fine if he's going to shut me up. Has a German ever won the award? Has anyone outside of, you know, Russia, Canada, or America ever won the award? I think one of the Sadines oh, won. Hashik won heart. it twice, I think, and he's from... And, okay. Oh, yeah, and Hashik Well, I'll keep my mouth several. shut, but he'll be up as German, which is something, unless I'm completely missing an obvious one, but it's something. And it's interesting that, you know, he's from a not normal country of hockey origin, per se, and he's able to do that, and he's able to be that phenomenal. I mean, he did, you know, blow a lot of things out of the water this year, so I think it's just his year for the MVP. I mean, yeah... McKinnon should be a close second considering he was able to play on his lonesome and still have that team win. I mean, I when you were mentioning the names of, you know, around McKinnon that got hurt, I forgot there was a time of the season there were so many stars hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like home, how many superstars were down for a little while. So, yeah, McKinnon's a definite close second, but I just think the way the voting is going to go and the way I see it should be is just, you know, Dreisaitl proved a lot of People wrong, rightfully so. I got to give it to Drysaddle just for this one. 110 points, it's hard to refute it. And he, he won the Art Ross, and I, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be wet, mad if he won the MVP, if he won the Hart. But, I mean, to me, what McKinnon did this season was special. Right. And those three guys, the league is very, very lucky to have those three guys at such a young age excelling the way that they are. I mean, Connor McDavid is now what? 23 years old yeah, he's our age. he has yeah he had he has two art rosses a heart two lester b pearsons and that's just the start for this kid i mean mm-hmm. to think of the way that i would imagine he's going to win the masterson this year so that's going to be another piece of hardware that he's going to have because i mean coming back from that knee injury the way that he did i think he's hands down gets the masterson award so it's going to be tough to refute these three stars moving forward I don't hate the pick of Leon Dreisaitl. I do think it's a little easy sometimes to pick whoever led the league in scoring last year. I mean, you look at Nikita Kucherov, he had 128 points. It's the most points by anybody in over, what, a decade? So it's hard to refute that. Dreisaitl might have been able to push that if he had to finish the regular season, but I still, I, I'm going to hold tried and true with my pick of Nathan McKinnon and, and just going to close it on that, All I right. guess. Yeah. 
Those are the awards, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Those are the awards, exactly. That is all for this one. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please, please, please subscribe to us, rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love seeing all of your feedback. And we are always, of course, Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>